As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Welcome to a brand new edition of the Big Red Bench Women's Sport Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy McCarthy, and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at McCarthy 74 On this week's show, our special guest is Cork St. Catharines and UCC senior camogie player, Laura Hayes, to preview this weekend's Cork and Kilkenny National League clash and her Electric Ireland camogie third level Rising Star Team of the Year accolade. Resident Red FM Formula One expert Sarah McKenzie Foley joins me to discuss all the latest Formula One news and preview the Saudi GP. Munster Women's Rugby chairperson Wendy Keenan is back with another action-packed segment, reviewing all the latest schools, club, interprovincial and international results and news. Munster Women's Hockey Piero Graham Catchboard has all the latest Munster Women's Hockey and EY League results, scores and updates, and we preview a massive St. Patrick's Day of Cup Finals. And finally, we review a terrific weekend for the Cork LGFA minor and under-16 teams in the Munster LGFA Championships, plus an under-21 club county championship update. That's all to come on this week's Women in Sport podcast. Cork St. Catherine's and UCC senior camogie player Laura Hayes joins me on the Big Red Bench this week to preview Sunday's Very Ireland Camogie National League clash with Kilkenny. A rerun of last year's All-Ireland final takes place in Nolan Park on Sunday. We also talk to Laura about her recent accolade being named on the Electric Ireland Camogie third level Rising Star Team of the Year. Real thrill now here for us on the Big Red Bench to be joined by Cork Camogie senior player and 2023 Electric Ireland Camogie third level rising star. There's a mouthful, but a, a deserved merited award for Laura Hayes. Laura, you're very welcome to the bench. How are you? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Yes, first of all, congratulations. Uh, yourself, uh, Maeve Murphy from Ballinora and uh, Eva Healy from Ada. Each of you are uh, UCC students and you were named on the 15 panel for this year's Electric Ireland Camogie Third Level Rising Star Team of the Year. A lovely accolade, a disappointing end, which we'll talk about obviously in the Ashburn Cup final, but a fantastic uh, recognition of your efforts in a UCC jersey this year. Um, were you surprised? Were you, um, were you obviously delighted? And where were you when you heard the news? Um, yeah, I suppose I was surprised. All right, I was actually in work at the time, so it wasn't meant to be on my phone. But I got a few messages saying "well done" or whatever. So yeah, look, it was lovely to be recognised. I suppose um, it's always nice for the family, and I suppose all the coaches, do you know, that have trained me in the past, and I suppose our Ashburn coaches as well would be delighted that there was three of us that got one. Um, so yeah, I know it's brilliant. But yeah, would have rather win the actual Ashburn Cup, but I'll take it. <laughs> yes, I'm coming to that. I'm not going to dwell on it because I know you don't really want to talk about it. But the university. <laughs> 
University of Limerick beat UCC 314 to 12 points in this year's UPMC Ashton Cup final uh, five in a row for, for UL disappointment obviously but can I ask you Laura just about you know you're, you're a senior Camogie inter-county player you're a club player you're very busy but is it a breath of fresh air and not that there's nothing wrong with playing for your club your your county but is it a breath of fresh air to have the college side of things as well and the Ashburn Cup because it's taken very seriously but there's a social side to it as well I mean is that important to you? Yeah 100% like it was, we played TUD in the final and um, I suppose look like as in we didn't like we always expected and we wanted to get there but even just before the actual weekend itself the build up was always great crack and yeah as you said like it's kind of not that I would say the pressure's off or anything like that but like it's a bit of time where you know you can have a bit of crack with girls from different counties and all which is great and I think we, in second year there was COVID so I actually didn't get to play in second year but from like third year and fourth year like I've had such good experience with the Ashburn and just I suppose you know getting to meet people from new counties and hearing what they do at training with their counties or their clubs and then I suppose it's just nice that like you know we might be enemies one day but like when we play together with UCC you know we're just great friends and that's the sense of the Ashburn Cup as you said it's taken very seriously but as an alternative to what you're normally used to in the grind of intercounty and getting ready for National League games pre-season before it all goes to club having that college outlet is actually a positive thing because you make friends with people on your own team but you also get to make friends with people I would imagine on the opposition as well yeah exactly 100% and I actually was lucky when I started Ashburn in first year two of the girls that were actually starting with me we're actually living together now and so it's nice to know that you have that kind of experience where you make friends with people just because you I suppose you have the same interests but then you end up being like lifelong friends I suppose but yeah look it's always nice to have people to train with that you know you're not going to see all the time so it's just like a breath of fresh air but then I suppose the downside is when Ashburn ends then I suppose that's the most upsetting thing because you probably don't you might not see them again until the year after if like you know I'm done now but you know that's probably the only downfall of it you see them for so much up until February March and then after that you might not see them again until the year after yeah, that that is, and that's one of the things, the, the elements of, of the college scene. But I suppose having it there, like, doesn't been an awful lot of debate on the men's side of things that the squeezing of the intercounty season into six months or just about means that the Sigerson Cup and you know it's it's you know the hurling and the football college equivalents. There's a lot of players having to double up midweek now when they're with their intercounty. But you seem to have it on the Camogie side of things. It's, it seems to be a bit more seamless. Maybe I'm wrong, but the, the understanding between UCC and Matthew Toomey uh, at the Cork uh, setup, like, it, it seems to work for you. That it's not a hindrance yeah 100% I think like we're lucky that way Matthew is very lenient like he lets us go with UCC when we need to go with UCC but we're also you know there with Cork a lot of the time so like I suppose we're not being burnt out but at the same time you know we're showing up to everything and I suppose because it's so like nice that you know there isn't that much controversy on the side of which training will we go to tonight it nearly makes it more enjoyable then on both playing for Cork and playing with UCC because I suppose both managements just want what's best for the players and they try their best to you know help us out that way and say if they, like we need an extra game or whatever they might you know accommodate that like let us play with UCC or whatever so yeah no I think we're lucky that way it's brilliant and like I suppose just for the Ashburn in general like it's such a good competition just like the Sigerson fits whatever so it, I think it's so important that it stays you know mm. like it's such a, a big part and like it can be a real breakthrough point for some players as well then going into the intercounty season 
You're listening to The Big Red Bench with me, Jeremy McCarthy. Our special guest uh, is the Cork Intercounty Camogie player, uh, Laura Hayes, who is also uh, Electric Ireland Camogie third level rising star for the coming year. Laura, let's turn our attention to the intercounty scene because you've been very busy with the Cork seniors. It's been a very, very good start to your National League campaign wins over Clare and Dublin. And most recently, the trip to the rag, uh, like we always like to call it, at the rag um, mm. against Tipperary, a real hard, real tough game, very difficult conditions. Not the greatest Cork performance ever with respect but the no. win and getting the victory um, your take on that because Clare and Dublin offered a very different kind of challenge and an open pitch and the weather was particularly good this was a very very different this was proper National League hurling poor weather tough pitch and a really strong physical opponent can you take I know there's things that you need to work on but are there positives to take out of that performance and victory as well yeah 100% like I suppose we knew going down to the rag in Tipperary we know like it's very open like the weather can always catch the pitch a lot and that kind of thing but I suppose we had prepared for that and we knew that Tipperary were going to be strong they also had beaten like Galway before that and like so we didn't go in complacent or anything but yeah we were greeted with a real tough opponent Um, and as you said like there's definitely a lot of learnings we came from it but I suppose the biggest positive that was that we never panicked and I suppose we did overcome and we're still unbeaten which is great and I suppose what I suppose it might have identified for us was places where we might have need to, needed to work on where we might have been exposed as much you know against Clare or Dublin so I think you know to be fair to the lads like they we do a lot of analysis and we had a lot of analysis done before we went back training on Tuesday night and I suppose training was very positive and very high intensity then because we knew that you know we didn't want it to bring a negative side to our game or this year because it's just one game and I suppose we just took it as a positive to take as much learnings from it as possible and I'd say go into the Kilkenny game now you know very much ready again. Yes, into the Kilkenny game. Three wins out of the three, sitting top of the Division 1A table in the National Camogie League, the very Ireland National Camogie League. Um, I don't have to say much about Kilkenny. Uh, I, I don't want to re- re- go back over all ground in last year's All-Ireland final and the disappointment and the closeness of getting within a point of them. But going to Nolan Park for a team, Kilkenny, who haven't actually been hitting, you know, firing in all cylinders with respect to them. They've won one of their three games. They're still getting their stuff together as the league goes on. Um I suppose, look, everybody wants to win the game, but I suppose but more than anything, you want to build on that performance against Tipperary now and irrespective of the actual result, put it up to Kilkenny and remind them that you're going to be there later in the year. Yeah, 100%. Like, I suppose, irrespective of who we're playing at the moment, we want to win. I think it's something on our minds, you know, that we really need to, like, be getting into that winning habit and winning the bigger game. So, I suppose, yeah, we all obviously have a past history with Kilkenny, but I think we're kind of, this year, really focusing on ourselves and our own performances and knowing that if we can control our own performance and perform to our ability, that we will come out with the win. So, I suppose, yeah, look, obviously, it'd be great to beat Kilkenny and, you know, then I suppose we'd be... All almost secured um, qualification for the league final but for us I think it's just about you know building on our performance against Tip there's obviously a lot to work on and showing that we've learned from those mistakes and um, yeah hopefully putting in a big performance Excellent stuff just to finish up Laura I mean we've previewed the game we've talked about your Electric Ireland you know Emerging Star uh, Award you're obviously enjoying your camogie this time of the year you've settled into the Cork team you're a mainstay in that team now not an easy thing to do considering all the young players that have come onto the panel this year with Matthew and the management team bringing them in but you look like you're enjoying your hurling um, or your camogie am I correct? Yeah, Jesus, definitely. I suppose I don't know for me anyway I always find it's great that you know at the end like I year but like I go to training 
enjoying it like I I want to be there and whether it's raining or sunshine it's still good to get out and run around and like look we're playing with our best friends at this stage like there's kind of been a core group of us there now since 2019 2020 and I know there's a few younger ones that have come in and sure they've just um come in and they're part of the group now the same way that everyone else did and we're all very close so yeah like it's just like having a day out with your with your best friend so yeah happy out playing and long may it last what a nice way of putting it um having a day with your friends and you know tearing into the opposition like you like, like you like to do listen uh, Laura Hayes on behalf of everybody here at the Big Red Bench congratulations again on your 2023 Electric Ireland Camogie third level Rising Star Award and to the other two core players as well obviously Maeve Murphy and Aoife Healy but um, listen all the best for the rest of the league and the rest of the championship to come and we'll catch up with you maybe a little bit later on down the year thanks very much and thanks for having me on the Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Resident Red FM Formula 1 expert Sarah McKenzie Foley joins me on the Big Red Bench to discuss all the latest on and off track Formula 1 headlines around the 2023 season. You can find more of Sarah McKenzie Foley's expert Formula 1 analysis on her active social media accounts on YouTube, Sarah McKenzie F1, Instagram, MacGram underscore, and on Twitter, MacTweets underscore it is that time of the week again where we are joined here on the big red bench by our resident formula one expert sarah mckenzie foley to preview the upcoming weekend grand prix which is taking place in saudi arabia and talk about a lot of other things happening off track as well sarah you're very welcome back to the bench how are you i'm good thank you yeah i feel like that two-week break absolutely flew I, I don't know where the time went but here we are race week again Oh my God, yeah, it's been two weeks. Okay, fair enough, you frightened me now. Um, yes, uh, a dominant start uh, for Max Verstappen um, and for Red Bull 1-2 on the opening Grand Prix uh, weekend. We are now ahead looking into the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, so a lot of teams will have a time to look at their telemetry, look at what they've done uh, in, in and around that weekend and hopefully make some sort of changes, positive changes. But coming into this weekend, I suppose the two main talking points and at the front of the grid anyway, Sarah, are what are Red Bull and Aston Martin going to do? Are they going to be able to repeat? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I suppose just a bit of background on on the circuit. It's a normal public road when it's not in use as a race circuit. So it was a nightmare for the drivers last year. People will probably remember the in-car camera footage where their heads were literally, it was like they're in a bouncing castle. It was, it was bonkers. So it'd be interesting to see how much that has improved this year by comparison. You know, we had that awesome battle between Leclerc and Verstappen last year. And now I think it is probably more to do with Verstappen and, you know, to an extent Perez and then outside of Red Bull, hopefully Alonso and maybe even Lance Stroll, who knows? Yeah, hopefully Lance Stroll is fully fit because he was pretty much patched together with all the accidents and uh, injuries that he had coming into it. This is Red Bull's to lose on the outside mm. looking in, considering where they've come from. But you never know in Formula One, as you said, it's a tight, twisty track. or Not, not necessarily a tight, twisty track, but it's not a favourite of the drivers and it, it isn't one necessary. You've got to have your, your concentration at 100% anyway, but it's got to be even more for a track like this. Um, are, did Aston Martin and uh, Fernando Alonso show you enough pace to suggest they might get in amongst them, even in qualifying? I think so. I think the, it's it's pace and it's also grit and it's reliability. I think, you know, that's something that, let's say, in comparison, Ferrari are looking to, to really try and patch that over again this year. You know, there's, there's rumours about Charles Leclerc moving. You know, they've been working on their high-speed setup. I think they're really pushing as hard as they can, but it's just that reliability piece. And I think... It's it's tricky it's tricky for any team, but they seem to be suffering particularly with it. Whereas Aston Martin, 
I feel like they're more consistent um, at the moment, and and I think that they they definitely could hopefully put up a fight against the Red Bulls. Yeah, let's hope so because um, something at the front like that certainly needs to happen rather than become a procession with the first two Red Bulls racing into the distance. But it is it is likely. Um, Mar- Aston Martin seems to have uh, the only ones, as you correctly said, that have pace. Talk to me about another week of Ferrari rumours off the bloody track instead of talking and focusing on improving the reliability, as you said. Leclerc's rumours of him exiting, are, is, is there much meat to these? Have you heard much? And uh, you know how likely do you think this is to happen? Well, the F1 rumor mill is very active, which is the problem because it's often very difficult. I think, especially with a team like Ferrari, they're very traditional. They really don't put out a statement on anything at all unless it's 100% confirmed. So they're sort of a fortress in that sense. But you can understand if it was true, you know, I mean, he's committed to this, you know, historic team early on in his career. They haven't delivered. Um, you know, he feels frustrated and I think it's it's totally understandable. I, I don't think he would like to move in, you know, in an ideal world. But let's be honest, similar to Lando Norris and McLaren, how long do you hold out for something better? Um, and he would absolutely be a driver in demand if he were to kind of announce mm. that he was interested in leaving. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm on the fence about this one. I do I do admire him. I do admire his skill set and all that. But maybe Ferrari need a shake up. Maybe a young driver coming in with something to prove is what they actually need to push the car forward. Or maybe they need to flash, uh, splash the cash and get somebody in there and, and and you know really push on because you know Aston Martin's arrival Mercedes aren't going to be bad forever. Uh, you know this is the time frame for for Ferrari really to kick on. But we've seen this before. Last year was the same. A lot of promise and then too many things happening away from the car that that that, that, that hindered that opportunity. Um, I had to laugh actually I meant to say it to you I was watching a bit of the Oscars uh, over the weekend and then this morning uh, Jean Todd was trending and for those people he was everywhere uh, you might explain why as a Formula 1 fan this was very very surprising to me who is Jean Todd uh, Sarah McKenzie Yes, Jean Todd is uh, is a, I suppose you could call him a stalwart, wouldn't you, of, of Formula One? I think that's mm, fair to say. Um, I I was equally as confused as to why he popped up at the Oscars, but if you think about it, the correlation between Formula One and you know celebrities is that so strong. It's really really strong. You see them pop up everywhere. It's not just at the US and mm. uh, Grand Prix and in Monaco. So I think. Uh, it was it was a funny one this morning, but you know he's. He, I feel like he's earned his place there. It's fair enough. <laughs> he's aged very well. I must say to him uh, as a man, he was very dapper looking and uh, looking looking sprightly considering all those years sitting on in the pit lane for Ferrari. But um, yeah, good to see him about and and, and schmoozing. I think that's the correct term <laughs> at the Oscars. Before we leave the Saudi GP preview, it would be remiss of me not to ask about your favourite driver and his team and all their woes, uh, the total wolf woes as I call them. But Mercedes, mm. um, are you holding out any hope of any kind of improvement? for the Saudi GP for Mercedes this weekend? It's been an interesting week because the team actually put out a statement to the fans sort of Mm. reassuring them that they really are putting their ultimate blood, sweat, tears into this car. And at the same time, we also got, you know, this kind of news coming out that Mike Elliott, who is their technical director, was being put under massive pressure to basically abandon the zero side pod concept that he's kind of been working on and just bin it essentially and do whatever you can to pull some pace out of the car. So again, I don't know they're talking about now. The team is going to have a different body work in the pipeline, which would be different from the current one and those of other teams. They're not used to 
experimenting, right? Mm. They were on top with a very successful formula for eight years. This is an uncomfortable period for them. Um, and I think that that open letter to the fans was sort of, it was a bit cringe, mm. you know, it was a bit, I understand why they did it, but I don't necessarily, I don't know if it was the best move. Yes, I think I agree with that. I think that's very <laughs> drive to survive episode, possibly for next season, an episode that might yeah. centre on that and why they did that. And it may come back to haunt them, hopefully not from Mercedes fans' point of view. You are listening to The Big Red Bench with me, Jeremy McCarthy, and our resident Formula One expert here on Corks Red FM, Sarah McKenzie Foley. We've just previewed the Saudi Grand Prix, which takes place this weekend. We're now going to talk about some really interesting off-track news over the past week. And one that's very, very close to your own heart, I know, Sarah, Sarah and that is that Susie Wolf, a name we have spoken about on uh, last season and the season before has been appointed Formula One Academy Managing Director a positive move yes absolutely I am a huge fan of Susie Wolf. Um, you know I, I interview women in motorsport often and I always ask them who's your most inspiring woman in motorsport and her name comes up constantly she's just fantastic an absolute legend and you know for people that might not be aware the F1 Academy was announced back in November 2022 kind of around the same time as the W Series ran into a lot of financial issues and confirmed that they were sort of shortening their season and they weren't going to be coming back until they could secure more funding. So the timing of this in the sense that it's an all-female driver category that's kind of going in at the the younger level is massively important. And personally, I think she is the perfect person to take this on, you know, she has a deep understanding of the challenges that women face trying to climb the ladder in, in motorsport, particularly in Formula One. And at the same time, she has massive business acumen. You know, she's been a team principal, CEO in Formula E, and she saw success there. So I think it's fantastic. And if anyone is interested in finding out more about it, the inaugural season actually begins next month in April. Um, they're going to run 21 races at seven circuits and they're actually going to finish in Austin. They're going to be a, an official support race for the US Grand Prix, which is fantastic exposure. Hopefully the, the TV kind of contracts will come in there and there'll be more, just more promotion of it. I feel like that's also somewhere where the W Series kind of fell down. So in the absence of that, I think... I'm just looking forward to seeing Formula One kind of put their money where their mouth is, you know, on this topic. And I think it's um, it's really important to choose the right person to bring it forward. And I totally think that she's the right person for it. 100% agree with you. If ever there was a name needed to spearhead this and to push it uh, and not be afraid to push it probably in front of people mm. and millionaires, it's Susie Wolf. And we, I, we're going to keep a close eye on this as the year goes on. And as we said, it's a good positive move. We finished this week. Um, with another uh, for, female Formula One driver of a kind, I'm going to say. But Saoirse <laughs> Fitzpatrick uh, took home the top prize at screen-to-speed sim racing competition in Las Vegas. I know you're going to be talking to Saoirse. Um, what is screen-to-speed sim racing, please, Sarah, Sarah for an Egypt like me? <laughs> yes, so screen-to-speed is a sim racing competition and essentially it's all female teams, all female competitors. And the goal here is to create, I suppose to create again, like a higher level of exposure for female sim racers because it's a massive online community. And that's the other side of it is actually bringing them together physically. So the final happened in Las Vegas, as you mentioned, on March 4th, and there were 15 racers in total that kind of went against each other. And Saoirse came out on top, which was just fantastic. Um, She drives for Prismatic Motorsports, which is a team that's by and for trans people. So it's fantastic to see, you know, so much representation and so much diversity 
in the sim racing community. And as you say, I interviewed Sirsha over the weekend and our, our conversation is actually available to watch on my YouTube channel at the moment if you search Sarah McKenzie F1. Uh, I will certainly do that and we will make sure that that gets out on the social media channels. Brilliant stuff as ever. Sarah McKenzie Foley uh, uh, reca- previewing Saudi GP and bringing us up to date on everything that's happening off track as well. Between now and when we speak again, when we review the Saudi uh, Grand Prix, where can we find your motorsport content? Yes, so as I mentioned, if you search me, Sarah McKenzie F1 on YouTube, you'll find me there. I put out weekly videos and then you'll also find me on Twitter. If you're interested in rugby, you can follow my live tweets of the matches as well as my live tweets of the, the F1. I'll be very busy this weekend. Uh, I'm at MacTweets underscore. Brilliant stuff and special shout out to your dog Hulk who made no noise whatsoever throughout this interview which is fantastic. I was hoping there'd be a few barks or maybe you know a bit of a background noise but there wasn't so very well done to to, to him her. Am I him? Her? Am I right? Him. Yeah. Him. Very good. Okay. Next time we'll get you a few barks don't worry. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Sarah McKenzie Foley from everybody here on the Big Red Bench thank you once again and we look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks Jer. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Corks Red FM. Munster Women's Rugby Chairperson Wendy Keenan joins me on this week's Big Red Bench to offer us her expert opinion on all things rugby and review all the latest provincial, clubs, schools and adult results, scorers and upcoming fixtures. Plus, we have all the latest Munster Rugby and International Rugby news making the headlines. Munster Women's Rugby weekly segment here on the Big Red Bench with me, John McCarthy, and our resident expert and Munster Women's Rugby chairperson, Wendy Keenan, on the line as well. Wendy, how are you? I'm great, sir. Thanks a million. Um, we would need to crack on because there's so much happening. There's so much happening that we're actually going to miss stuff that's happening between this podcast going out and the next podcast. But it is a very, very big week as we record this for the school's cup finals and for the college rugby tier two cup final. Yeah, I mean, just this week, this week is, I suppose, this Wednesday is our, our big day in, Mons- in Musgrave Park, our junior and our senior cup finals, you know, loads of interest, loads of buses coming to Cork. So look, we're going to have a great atmosphere and look, we'll have the result by the time this is this goes out on Thursday. But I, in the junior cup final at half 12, we've got Eda Dingle versus St. Anne's Killaloo. And then straight afterwards, we've got the senior cup final and that's Ors Culvera versus St. Anne's Killaloo. So St. Anne's Killaloo are in both finals. They'll be absolutely Absolutely thrilled and lovely to see Dingle in it and Ordskulvera were our winners of the Junior Cup last year so they've progressed onto the senior now they've been knocked out of the junior competition but they go forward for the final and I believe they're travelling with nine buses on Wednesday so I can't wait and St Anne's have four buses booked and filled so far so it'll be loud um, that's excellent and what a, what a great atmosphere that's going to generate and as we said obviously uh, next week's podcast we will talk about it it's happening this week but a, a fantastic day for all those school, uh, for those schools and specifically as well for St. Anne's Killaloo as you said uh, reaching two finals both junior G, junior and senior um, as well as that there was the college rugby tier two cup final between UCC and the University of Galway and this promises to be a cracking game yeah, I mean, all the finals are being played in Cork this week, this Wednesday. So you'll have the, the male and the female matches being played, Tier 1 and Tier 2 Cups. And UCC have got to the final of the Tier 2 Cup and they'll play University of Galway. And that'll be played out on the farm on Wednesday evening, as I say again. We'll have the results by the time this goes out. But look, a busy day. I'm really looking forward to a long day of rugby on Wednesday. Yes, but a long and successful one and we will review all of it, of course, on next week's show. Uh, we move on to the Irish Junior Cup and a huge game coming up this weekend down in Skibbereen. I'm going to let you 
preview it, but I have already <laughs> met the Skibbereen women's rugby team at sat- last Saturday night's West Cork Sports Star Awards at the Celtic Cross Hotel in Ross Carberry. Skibbereen rubbing shoulders with the likes of Fintan McCarthy, Paul O'Donovan, Dara McElhenney, to name but a few, um, and they were announced as the overall male, female, adult, junior team of the year for 2022 which is a terrific achievement for Skibreen women's rugby but this weekend could well be one of the biggest games in their history Wendy yeah, I mean, huge congratulations to them for you know achieving that award last weekend. I mean, we reviewed them last last year. We spoke with Avril, their captain. They had such a good year last year. Um, so next Sunday, 1pm in Skibbereen is the place to be. So Skibbereen will host Westport in the first ever Irish Junior Cup. Um, so just winning them, wishing them the very best of luck and, and looking forward to seeing the match myself. Um, fabulous bunch of players, great backroom staff, Sanas, you know, very experienced coach. And I think their enthusiasm for the game... I'm sure you'll agree it's just infectious the way they go about the enjoyment element um, you know what I mean and just all being great friends it's just wonderful Yes, and they certainly celebrated their their latest award as you would expect them to celebrate it because it is a prestigious award and I was delighted to see them so happy and uh, and excited about that. But they are pushing to get as many people as possible to Skibbereen on Sunday, March 19th at 1 o'clock for that big game against Westport. Um, it is a huge game, not just for Skibbereen and for West Cork, but for Munster Women's Rugby. And we wish them all the best in that. And, and hopefully a big crowd as well will turn up. We turn now to the AIL Cup, Wendy. Yeah, I just wanted to mention we have UL Bowes and Ballon Colleagues still, you know, battling away in the AL Cup. UL Bowes, I suppose, have had a great turn to their season. They lie in second position. They've won all their matches five from five with the game in hand behind uh, Railway Union, who've completed six games. And look, I've mentioned it before, but they've got all those young players coming through that played in that Munster senior team that won the Interpros. And that just seems to have been a springboard for them really you know what I mean in, in, in moving forward and Neve Briggs is no doubt absolutely thrilled with all the girls Ballancolic however lie in 8th position they're 8th out of 9 they've just had one win so far so look hopefully they get one more in before uh, the end of the season but I mean we always mentioned that it was going to be a, you know a 3 year plan really for them so um, it would be great if they did finish on a high with the win before the season finishes Yes, indeed. Now, UL Bowes also uh, a league final postponed, but a divisional cup final coming up. Yeah, so we just postponed the um, the Skibbereen versus UL are in the league final, and that'll go to the sixteenth of April. Just gives them, I suppose, a chance to get ready for this big match this weekend. You know what I mean? Uh, and get any injuries recovered. So, should we mention injuries after yesterday's match against Scotland? But no. um, we also have our divisional and bowl finals coming up on the twenty third of April. So, in the divisional cup, we have um, Kerry versus UL Bowls, and in the bowl final, we've got Enniskill Rush versus Turles. So, still lots of rugby coming up in April, even though we keep saying we can go for near the end of the season we are nowhere near the end of the season Wendy I think that's the easiest thing to say at this stage but I know what you mean yes lots of exciting rugby to come up as you said now the mini blitzes uh, some uh, good news for Middleton and Feathered yeah so two blitzes held this weekend Sunday I mean the weather was so bad on Sunday mm the bravery these girls to take on those elements well done to them and to the clubs for hosting so we do one um, so I want to mention the Middleton first and uh, thank you to Peter in Middleton always a great host for the minis very well organised so in fairness he had the statistics on to me early this morning so 159 girls attended and 27 coaches stroke managers um, in attendance there in Middleton and I'm just going to mention all the clubs that were in attendance because I think that's really important for us to show the corners that we're getting to so it's Coles, Mallow, 
Clonakilty, Broth, Bantry Bay, Old Christians, Middleton, Kinsale, Ballinfollig and Musquery. So well done to all the girls and all the coaches who uh, took on those rainy conditions and, uh, and went out on the pitches. And well done to the mums and dads who drove those muddy children in their beautiful cars back home afterwards. All part of the game when it comes to being fantastic to see. I love hearing about the mini blitzes, Wendy. You you probably know from my voice every time we talk about it. And those numbers uh, for those age groups and clubs, it's fantastic. Yes, I think it's just really important for the game, you know what I mean, in relation to those girls playing and the, you know, I suppose just, as you mentioned, the parents that are involved, the clubs that are involved and to see them travelling, do you know what I mean, even coming an hour, an hour and a half down the road to play in the mini blitz in the muddy conditions, it's just great and I just love going out watching the girls, I can't wait for to give it a try now to start in the next couple of weeks and um, the workshop will happen next Thursday for all the clubs, two new clubs, we'll talk about that next week involved, introducing girls rugby to their club and, um, you know, so they'll have an eight week programme coming up themselves but it's so important that those young girls have that element to come into. Yes, and the first step and hopefully a long pathway that might end up for one or two of them reaching Munster and possibly international honours. But at the moment, it's all about fun and it's all about in, in enjoyment and it's all about part, taking part. And those numbers are fantastic to hear. Now, we finished this week with news of upcoming under 14, 16 and 18 semi-finals on the bank on the St. Patrick's weekend. Now, there's too many matches in each of these competitions we're not going to get to all of them but I think it would be good to pick out the Cork clubs uh, involved in a lot of them and in the under 14 cup catches my eye because there's two West Cork clubs in that yeah, so in the cup competition, you've got your neighbours on Manway Bantry playing Brough on Saturday. And then on Sunday, Clonakilty will take on Gary Owen. So um, great to see, look, the core clubs um, involved, as you mentioned, lots of fixtures um, in there. And I'll just mention the Development Cup mm. while we're talking about under 14 as well, because we've got Ballancolic versus Cove Car- um, uh, Carrigaline there as well in between our core clubs. As you said, this between the cup the plate and then we've got our development cup competition you know with the semi-finals and some of them are quarter-final stages mm. there's so many fixtures I know I sent them all to you but you can just see the number of clubs represented across the board Yes and across the province this is the thing I'm looking at Ballina Killaloo taking on Kilrush in the under-16 plate quarter-finals I'm looking at uh, Ballincollig taking on Tralee in the under-18 plate quarter-finals Shannon taking on Cove and Dolphin uh, Carrick Turles taking on Killarney in the under-18 cup and Ennis Kilrush taking on Clonakilty and it's just it's once again Wendy it just shows the growth of women's rugby across the 14 Cup plate development cup, we can't go through them all, but the number no. of clubs throughout the province, not just Cork, um, this must be really uh, a fantastic thing for you and your committee look, looking ahead to see this many girls involved in the sport. Look, it's, it's, it's wonderful to me to, ha- to be able to look in and look at all these clubs. It's a bit of a, a logistical nightmare in terms of fixtures for our fixture secretary. And I was going to mention her and she'll kill me for mentioning it. <laughs> Maeve Darcy just does a wonderful job. Well done. You know what I mean? She's over all these competitions. She has a subcommittee in underneath her. But Maeve puts all these fixtures up. And, you know, thank you to the MAR for supplying referees, you know, where they can for matches. Um and yeah, I just, I'm a bit blown away this season, just the growth of the game and um, you know, the, the way that the, the blitzes are going, the schools cup are going and now to have the three competitions going here. And then I'll have to mention that we have the seven girls at under 18 that have been selected and they're going into Irish camp this weekend. And look, wouldn't it be wonderful if the seven of them get selected? And we had, um, you know, it would it be six new caps and one and one girl who got capped last year, all getting new caps. And we saw all the photographs from those last year. So, you know, and that's important too, those role models for those mini girls we talked about earlier on and that they see the pathway. 
Yes, indeed. Uh, we wish those girls, uh, the Munster girls, all the best in that under-18 uh, Irish training camp for the upcoming weekend. And as ever, Wendy Keenan pushing the Munster uh, players as best as she possibly can to get as many of them out there playing, not just capped. Um, as ever, there's just so much going on between schools, adult and underage Queen cup, Cups plates. Uh, we wish this week, uh, by the time the podcast comes out, as we said, the Junior Cup between Colossia, Tingle and St. Anne's Killaloo and the Senior Cup between Ardskull, Vura and St. Anne's Killaloo, as well as the College Rugby Tier 2 Cup final between UCC and University of Galway. We wish all those teams the very, very best. We'll review those next week and we'll also try and get our, our heads around what's been happening in the under 14, 16, 18 and of course the ongoing mini blitzes and everything else that's happening in Munster Women's Rugby. But for now, uh, Wendy Keenan, we will let you go and we will talk to you again next week. Great. Looking forward to it, Jer. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Corks Red FM. Monster Hockey PRO Graham Catchpole rejoins me on this week's Big Red Bench to recap the latest Monster Women's Hockey, Monster Division 1, EY League, schools, interpros, and international news. Plus, we take a look ahead to upcoming women's hockey fixtures. Now, we're delighted to be joined here on the Big Red Bench by the Munster Women's Hockey PRO and expert and the man with his finger on the pulse who knows everything that's happening and about to happen uh, as he laughs at me. Uh, that's Graham Catchball. Graham, you're very welcome back to the bench. How are you? I'm good, Jared. Thanks for having me. Yes. Oh, my goodness. What a couple of days we've got uh, ahead in both adult and underage and especially St. Patrick's Day, which we're going to focus on a, a little bit later on. And what a huge day that is for Munster Women's Hockey with so many cup finals on. But we start uh, with EY1, and that is the Women's uh, EY uh, EY1 Hockey League where Catholic Institute had a difficult two difficult road trips uh, last weekend to put it mildly Graham we, we previewed it on the previous show uh, they had to travel to Ards on the Saturday and then they had to travel to Railway Union on the Sunday to maintain their title push how did they get on and what uh, what way are Catholic Institute now after those results yeah we, we spoke about this last week Jar, and we knew it was going to be a very tough weekend for Catholic Institute uh, two tough away fixtures. Um, the first one up north against against Ards. Um, they came away with a draw from that one. So two all. Uh, Laura Laura Foley and uh, Jenny Klein getting the goals there. Um, a small bit disappointed, I would say, by that result. Um, given given Ards are probably fighting down the the lower half of the table, but they would probably have taken a point. Um, and then on Sunday, um, for for their second game, uh, they they were beaten four two by by Railway Union. Uh, Laura Foley with another goal there, and Leah Cleary with the with the second one. But Railway Union looked to have strengthened over the last couple of uh, couple of months. Got a few players in, um, so that was always going to be a tough one. Now it puts them it puts them in. Um, you know they're still in joint first. Now they've played a game extra um, over the the teams above them, but they're still in with a shout. Uh, the top two teams, Loretto and UCD, actually played out a draw on Saturday. Um, so so that 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 means I suppose you know they're still very very much in the hunt, but it certainly tightens things up at the top with with old Alex now only one point behind them in in fourth place. Yeah, the the women's EY one league, which we we we've spoken about um, uh, throughout throughout the season, has been unbelievably tight. Loretto on twenty nine, UCD twenty nine, no Catholic Institute on twenty nine, with that extra game played. But the fact that Loretto and UCD have drawn, it does give a glimmer of hope, Graham. Absolutely, yeah. and look, the the fixtures, I suppose, the way they're going to work out for Institute, you know, they should have a couple more home games coming up as well. Um, so they're always very, very strong at home. So yeah, they, they'll definitely be confident going into the last couple of games of the season still. 
Yeah, so listen, it wasn't the weekend the Catholic Institute would have liked, the results they would have liked, but it was a tough, tough two-day trip for them. And look, they're still in the hunt, and I suppose that's the key positive to take from that. We will keep an eye on the women's EY1 league and how that develops over the final weeks of what's been a fascinating season. But as we said, Catholic Institute certainly not out of the mix just yet. We move on now to women's EY2, and uh, UCC had a very difficult trip up to take on the Ulster Elks um, in this uh, top of the table, Ulster Elks. Ulster Elks team Graham this past weekend yes so UCC unfortunately coming unstuck up in um, up the north of Ireland against Ulster Elks um, losing 4-1 Ulster Elks, Elks have been very strong this year I suppose going well in the Ulster Premier League and also the top of Poulet um, UCC still still have been a good shout I suppose of, of qualification in the top three in the group um, they're still six points ahead of Muckras who are, who are fourth UCC and third Avoca well above them um, a, you know a, a good number of points ahead of them and also Relics, I suppose up to, up top of the table. So really, realistically, UCC looking to hold on to to that third spot um, with, up against, I suppose, Muckers and and maybe less so uh, University of Galway. Yeah, that's the women's EY two pool A, and in women's EY to Pool B another uh, Cork team doing very very well and looking to qualify our Cork Harlequins. Yeah, Cork Harlequins really on a, a crest of a wave at the moment, I suppose. Um, you know, they, they had a home fixture against Galway at the weekend. Um, and, and no surprise, I suppose, that they came away with, with the, with the f- full points. Um, winning 5-0, Ivana Byrne, I suppose, continuing her rich vein of form with, with two goals, Anna Keel. Uh, Julie McCarthy and, and Amy Nangle with the, with the other goals. Um, Harlequins doing very very well domestically as well at the moment. Um, having played um, the the Munster Senior Cup semi final as well, uh, coming out two 0 victors over over C of I. Anya Power and Yvonne O'Byrne with the with the goals there. So they'll face UCC on St Paddy's Day in in I suppose the Munster Senior Cup final, which will be the 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 highlight of the the, the long day of finals, I guess. Yes, which we'll be talking about. And it won't be the last time UCC and Harlequins meet each other either over the weekend, which we'll talk about as well uh, towards the end. Um, we move from the women's EY2 pool to the women's Munster Division 1 and talk about unbelievable title races. As it stands, Cork Harlequins are top of the table after 11 games with 30 points. UCC a point behind in 29 and Church of Ireland on 26 with a game extra played. But this past weekend, a very, very important win for Church of Ireland and a hard-fought win, Graham. Yeah, very much so. A very hard fought win against um, bottom side Belvedere. Um, C of I coming out with a with a three two victory. Um, Kira Sexton continuing her goal scoring form this year. Uh, Sophie De Courtney got the second, and and Julie Coyne with uh, with their third. Um, for Belvedere, Anya Regan came back with with two goals, um, but just not enough for Belvedere who who remain bottom of the table and I suppose in danger of of, of relegation this year. C of I, on the other hand, I suppose, are, are just clinging on to that hope of a top two uh, place. They, they now sit uh, three points behind UCC, four points behind um, Harlequins with a game extra played, but not beyond the realms of possibility that, that C of I could sneak into that top two by the end of the season. Yes, and let's hope so, because um, as we said, it, it's very, very tight at the top, but they're certainly in the mix. We turn our attention now to the Women's Examiner Cup, some results and also news of a cup semi-finals draw, Graham. Yeah, so um, I suppose in 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 the Examiner Cup, it's for the the clubs not involved with um, EY one or EY two. Um, so Bandon coming out uh, win, three 0 winners over Waterford at the weekend. Uh, they they topped their pool. 
uh, Crescent beating BlackRock and leapfrogging them in the table uh, to take second place in, in the same pool that they, they came away with a 1-0 win over BlackRock. Um, it all means, I suppose, they, they, there's a crossover between the, the first and the second in each group. Um, so the, the semi-final draw will be Bandon at home to, to Ashton and uh, CFI at home to Crescent, um, where the final will be played then um, late April. Excellent and uh, good to see those teams still very very much involved a lot of hockey still to be played over the coming weeks but we turn our attention to one of the biggest days in the calendar if not the biggest for Munster Women's Hockey on St. Patrick's Day in Gary Duff if you've any interest in hockey or sport at all and you can get down there there is an absolute slew of finals taking place a number of clubs involved the big one of course as we've alluded to already is UCC versus Harlequins which is the Munster Senior Cup game but they'll also play each other in the Munster Division 1 yeah, it, it, it just so happens that they're, they're due to play this weekend in, in Monster Division 1 on Saturday also. So, um, Paddy say they'll, they'll have a cup final and there'll be, uh, there'll be no celebrations either way as both teams, uh, go face to face, um, uh, on Saturday as well. Um, both games really are, are cup finals, the cup final for obvious reasons, but also the, the, the league final, um, with only one point between them. So UCC, I suppose, really needs to, to, to win, um, to, to, I suppose, overtake Harlequins. Um, a, a Harlequins, maybe a draw might be enough to, to see them through to the end of the season and, and, and take the league title. So all to play for, um, this weekend with, uh, with, you know, two huge encounters, um, ahead of both clubs. So I'm sure they'll be preparing well this week for those games. Yeah, I mean, the cup final alone um, on St. Patrick's Day, I mean, the, the preparation that we're going for that, but the fact that the following day, leading the women's Munster Division as we've already said, Carl Carlequin's a point clear of UCC. They meet the following day on Saturday at the Maradike at, at noon. And again, uh, that will be, once that game is completed, each team will only have two, round, two, two league games left. So it is really a league decider. As well as that on St. Patrick's Day, after ahead of the Senior Cup, the uh, Munster Senior Plate involving Ashton and Blackrock. Yeah, so a real local derby for the um, for the Munster Senior Plate. Um, Blackrock probably upsetting uh, Bandon in the in the semi final to get here. Um, Ashton, Ashton, I suppose maybe a bit more plain sailing against Belvedere to get to this final. Um, but certainly, it's going to be a very interesting game. Um, you know, the, the games this season, Ashton have just just edged. Um, and so, so, uh, but Blackrock will know that you know they'll be well prepared and they'll be well. Um, well organised under under Eddie Kerwin and um, it will be a very close final I would say um, Ashton will be slight favourites but uh, let, let's see on the day it should be should be a great final great way of avoiding a question who's going to win Graham very 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 slow there uh, I won't ask You're you very careful there Jordan. <laughs> and the reason I won't ask you is because I have a vested interest in the next section which is as well on St. Patrick's Day while all those senior cup and plate finals are going on there are four under 16 uh, three under 16 and one under 18 Munster Girls Cup finals it starts at 10 o'clock in the morning and involves a lot of clubs Graham. Yeah, an early start for some of these finals um, up in Gary Duff. Um, so uh, first game up is the under-16 Division 1 uh, Cup final between uh, C of I and Harlequins. Um, then at 11 o'clock on the, the second pitch there, we have um, the Division 3 Cup final between Ashton B and Clonmel. Um, at one o'clock, um, we have the uh, Division Two Cup final, which I know you'll have been interested in, Jar, between Clonakilty and uh, uh, Harlequins B. 
And last but not least, at three o'clock, another one you'll have interest in is Clonakilty and Limerick in the Under-18 Girls Cup final. Yes, and the reason I've invested interest, obviously I'm a Clonakilty native, but my daughter, Keelan McCarthy, is part of the Clonakilty Under-18 panel that will be taking on Limerick. And from a West Cork point of view, uh, Clonakilty Hockey Club have made absolute huge strides this year, both at adult and certainly at underage level. For an under-16 and under-18 team to reach a final, for each finals on the same day is a huge boost for the club and a huge boost for not just Clonakilty but the other clubs in the area as well to see that it can be done fantastic organisation off the pitch um, huge commitment from the girls in the under 18 who I would have seen a few times this year not all the time um, and the commitment that they've put in and the effort and the training they're very very excited about this but it is a tough final against a really good Limerick team um, and it, I suppose the thing for me Graham I suppose uh, try, try, taking off the clown hat for a second and being a neutral just seeing so many different clubs involved in the 16 and 18 cup final shows how strong Munster women's hockey is at 16 and 18 that it's not being dominated by one particular club but now more and more new clubs newer clubs at underage level gaining more experience like Clannacilty um, like Harlech like Clanmel like Ashton B you know these kind of teams getting to finals it's, it must be from your point of view and the committee's point of view fantastic to see so many people arriving to Gary Duff on Patrick's Day for these finals yeah, it's it, it's absolutely brilliant. I mean, you see the spread of clubs there, and and some of these clubs, you know, only set up in the last uh, couple of years. Um, so you know, even if you look at the, the you know the, the spread throughout the province, you've got you know Clonmel taking on Ashton B, and you've got Clonakilty, the other end of the province, you know, taking on Limerick. Um, so you know, a, a serious um, amount of effort has gone into you know organising, I suppose, these finals, but serious amount of effort from from all the clubs and getting the girls, I suppose to this level I suppose as well so you know a lot of these girls you know they start playing hockey at seven and eight years of age um, and and you know this this is a this is a really big day for them and um, yeah hopefully a really good day for for parents as well and and supporters alike but um, it's really fantastic to see such a spread of clubs um, and uh, really looking forward to the day myself and and being there and just uh, savouring the atmosphere I suppose. Yes, as I said, if you're anywhere near Gary Duff and St. Patrick's Day, if you've had enough of the parades and all the excitement, there is more than enough excitement in Gary Duff starting at 10 o'clock in the morning and going on until 4 o'clock in the afternoon when the big game, the Munster Senior Cup Final between UCC and Harlequins takes place. But good luck to all the teams in all those Cup Finals, but especially Clannacilty in the Under-16 and Under-18 <laughs> Finals. He said trying to be nice about it, but can't hide his emotions. Um, we finish this week, as we always do, with a look at the Munster Women's Top Scorers Table and Great you'll be delighted to see that uh, well what's it you're delighted to see but you'll see a new name at the top of the sheet yeah so so Emma Sullivan leading the leading the charges at the moment um, yeah knocking in a few goals last weekend and then I suppose um, you know she she seems to be the the form woman yeah. at the moment for, for for UCC and you can see Abby O'Mahony there as well on on, on 14 goals as well with, for UCC but um, yeah, it's going to be really close towards the end because uh, I suppose you, could, you know the next couple of games between UCC and Quinns, um, we have a lot of uh, Harlequins players up there near the top as well. Yvonne O'Byrne getting another goal tonight, and she moves up to thirteen goals, so only five off the top. Um, so yeah, it it makes for a very exciting, I suppose, uh, finish to the season here as well. It certainly does. Emma O'Sullivan, UCC on 18 goals. Beth Anna Farrell, Cork Harlequins on 17. Michelle Barry from the same club on 15. Abby O'Mani and UCC on 14. Then we've got Kate Harvey from Ashton on 13. As you said, Yvonne Byrne moving up to 13 for Cork Harlequins as well tonight. And the rest of that list is fleshed out by Olivia 
Roycroft, Kira Sexton, Julia McCarthy, Isabel Martin, Quiva Perdue, and Ingrid Burns. And as with the leagues, the women's EY1 and the women's EY2, and with the Munster Division 1, and with all these cup finals coming up, it's exactly the same with the Munster women's top scorers chart. It is unbelievably close, unbelievably tight, and there are some serious thrills and spills to come over the coming weeks. Next week, we will review what will be a momentous day uh, and St. Patrick's Day with all those cup finals and all the matches to come over the weekend. But until then, Graham Catchball, Munster Women's Hockey Piero, thank you for your time. Thanks, sir. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. The Cork Minor Under-16A and Under-16B inter-county teams registered impressive Munster LGFA championship victories last weekend. Last Saturday, Jamie Cronin's Cork Miners went in search of their third provincial championship victory in as many games. An undefeated Waterford were the visitors to Killa to take on a Cork side that had previously overcome Tipperary and Limerick. Waterford played with lots of players behind the ball and made life difficult for their opponents for long stretches. But it was 1-6-0-2 in Cork's favour at the interval before the Rebels ran out convincing 3-14-1-4 winners. Next up for the Cork Miners is a crunch encounter with Kerry away in two weeks' time before concluding the round-robin section of their Munster Championship against Clare at home. Schaefer Patrol scored a goal inside the opening minute. Deirdre Cronin finished with 1-1. Kira Morrison top scored at 1-2. Anya Hallahan notched not forward. Maeve Collins, Amy Shepard, Neva Sullivan, Brianna Smith, Katie O'Driscoll also amongst the Cork scorers. And the Cork team on the day of uh, that game itself were Molly Murphy, Leah Carey, Leah Heffern and Sean O'Sheehan. Millie Condon was captain, Kate Williamson and Katie O'Donnell. Ava Fitzgerald, Lily Murray, Brianna Smith, Maeve Collins, Ava Barry, Amy Shepard, Schaefer Patwell and Edel Sheehan. Quiva Richmond, Grace Cronin, Molly Burke, Amy McKennedy, Laura Mahoney, Alice Buckley, Lainey O'Sullivan, Kira Morrison, Niamh Nakhnabola, Anya Hallahan, Niamh O'Sullivan, Amy O'Reardon, Deirdre Cronin, Orla Kremen and Ava Kern were the rest of that Cork minor panel. Both of the Cork Under-16A and B panels were in provincial action against Kerry last weekend. A doubleheader of Munster LGFA tie ties took place in Cladove amid pretty awful weather conditions. First up were John Callahan and Kenneth Burns' Cork under-16Bs. A narrow defeat to Limerick in their previous outing meant this young Cork panel was eager to bounce back. And that they did. They led Cork, Cork led eight points to four at the break and scored two goals in the second period to Copperfasten a 2-13 to not 5 victory. Castlehaven's Ellen Connolly played exceptionally well, scored a point with Shauna Cronin, 1-6, Saoirse Moynihan, 1-4 and Lauren Finnegan completing the winner's total. And that team on the day, the starting 15 for that game against Kerry, Ella Hayes was in goal, Sky Fielding, Grani O'Neill, Ava uh, Ashman, uh, Gemma Young, Avril O'Sullivan, Chloe Kent, Tara O'Neill, Trace Dorgan, uh, Saoirse Gould, Ellen Connolly, Lauren Finnegan, Saoirse Moynihan, Ellie McKearns and Sean Cronin. Immediately after, Kieran O'Shea's Cork Under-16As continued their undefeated start to the Munster LGFA Championship campaign. A hard-fought 2-12-2-5 defeat of the Kingdom amid terrible conditions was secured with Kinsale's Quiva Horgan contributing 1-3. Laura Walsh 1-6, Johanna Fiskin, Ava Nagel and Ashling Leahy were also on target. Now, next up for the Cork Under-16A and Bs are Munster LGFA Championship clashes away to Tipperary this Sunday, March the 19th. And that Cork Under-16A team panel that took... Uh, that defeated Kerry last weekend included Andrea Toy, Emer Walsh, Ali Tobin and Ashling O'Sullivan, Rachel Breen, Maisie McRae, Kira Callagher, 
Joanna Foskin, Kate McEntee, Ava Nagel, Quiva Horgan, Ella Burns, Kate Carey, Laura Walsh and Sophie O'Shea. Jenny O'Neill, Ashling Leahy, Ava Sheehan, Eva O'Driscoll, Catherine Murphy, Lily O'Shea, Maisie O'Callaghan, Megan Barrett, Neve Hartnett, Orla Drummy, Rebecca Frame, Sarah Barry, Sarah O'Farrell, Katie Ferns and Ava O'Donovan. Now, the under-14 uh, Cork LGFA Intercounty team under manager JJDC have named their captains and vice-captains for the upcoming Munster and All-Ireland Championships. Ballet colleagues Maeve Buckley will captain the under four, Cork under-14s with Kinsale's Hannah DC and Delaney's Haley Sweeney named as vice-captains. The Cork under-14s begin their campaign with a Munster LGFA Blitz in Mallow on Sunday. Uh, this coming Sunday Cork will play five games uh, of 20 minutes duration and use their entire panel on the day it'll be a fun blitz focusing on game time and where no scores or scorers will be recorded and the Cork LGFA squad under 14 squad sorry for the coming season Amy McCarthy Anna Kelleher Ava Coughlin Quiva Foley Carlo O'Regan Kira O'Regan Dana Hart uh, Darren O'Flaherty Ellen Motherway Ellie Lee, uh, Fiona O'Connell, Gemma O'Sullivan, Hannah DC, Hayley O'Shea, Hayley Sweeney, Katie Crowley, Katie Hanrahan, and Lily Foskin. Louise Buckley, McKernan, uh, Maeve Buckley, Matilda Nee Lunig, Orla McGrath, Orna Higgins, Robin O'Mahony, Roisin Nee Lehan, uh, Sarah Galvin, Sheila O'Gwalch, Sophie Duggan, Sorsha O'Rourke, and Tamara Moynihan. Now we turn our attention to to the Cork Under-21 Club Championship. Now, there was only a handful of games uh, played last weekend, but we have reached the, pretty much the business end of each of the four championships, the A, B, C and D championships. Donnie's and Kinsale met in the quarterfinals of the Cork LGFA Under-21 B Championship in Sam Maguire Park last Sunday. The prize and offer for the winners was a place in the semi-finals and a second consecutive West Cork Derby because they'll whoever emerged from Donnie's and Kinsale's clash would play either O'Donovan Rossa or Valley Rovers in the semi-final and Valley Rovers LGFA played their uh, championship games in the Western Division. An entertaining county championship tie was blighted by poor weather conditions, but Kinsale used the advantage of a strong win to build a 3-4 to not 5 into a lead. Donnie's fought back in the second period, but were unable to conjure up a comeback victory, losing out 3-4 to 1-6. Eve O'Neill scored a goal, while Rachel McCarthy and Abby McCarthy, three points each, were the other scorers for Donnie's in a game. Kate Redmond, Maisie O'Callaghan, Amy Buckley, and Amy Buckley's goals sealed Kinsale's semi-final berth. Amy Casey, Geraldine Tyner, Kate Redmond, Quiva Heffernan, Maeve Hurley and Nicole Buckley stood out for the winners. And a young Donnie's team had Kira Ahern, Mairead Crowley, Katie Crowley, Margaret Collins, Erin O'Donovan and Lauren Farr playing particularly well. On now to the Under-21 C Championship and uh, uh, first uh, one uh, sta- outstanding first round tie that needed to be played Mallow against Trump Tariff and Mallow in this one ran out 3-8 to 1-10 winners Eva O'Connor got the first two points from Mallow and that was followed by a Rhea O'Connor white flag a penalty won and converted by Siobhan Kennedy put Mallow in the driving seat and Eva O'Connor and Rhea O'Connor added points apiece before half time that made it 1-5 to 1-4 in Mallow's favour and in the second half an early goal from Rhea O'Connor and Siobhan Kennedy's second goal uh, sealed the tie in Mallow's favour late points from Eva O'Connor and two more from Ava Murphy finished off the scoring 3-8 to 1-10 in Mallow's favour despite the defeat Trump Tariff uh, had some standout players Julio Keefe in goal Daniel Murphy in midfield Aoife Casey also at midfield and Quiva Murphy played particularly well at wing forward heading into St. Patrick's weekend we don't have any definitive throw in times and venues just yet at the time of recording but we do know that in this year's under 21A uh, 
Cork LGP Under 21A Championship. The semi-finals will be between Navabon and Airog and Glanmire and Mornabby. And that's a repeat of last year's county final that Mornabby won, uh, just edging out Glanmire. And uh, Mornabby already won, of course, their first round tie um, over ahead. Uh, those games, both of those games are down for the 19th, but we don't have throw-in times or confirmed venues just yet. Onto the under twenty one B championship, um, the winners of Valley Rovers and O'Donovan Rosses upcoming first round tie. They will meet um, in in the last eight. Now they will meet uh, Kinsale. Um, who overcame Donnie's, as we said, sorry, in the semi-final stages. Bright Rovers as well. They're already through to the quarterfinals. They're awaiting the winners of St. Val's and Clonakilty. So it will be, as we said earlier on, Valley Rovers at Donovan Rossa against Kinsale in one semi-final and Bright Rovers against either St. Val's or Clonakilty in the other semi-final. On to the under-21C at Cork LGFA Championship and the quarterfinal lineup is complete following Mallow's victory last weekend. Watergrass Hill will take on Douglas. Mallow will face Kilshanig. Bantry Blues will take on on Rockbourne and Ballinora will face Castlehaven in the last eight of that championship. On to the under 21 D Cork LGFA football championship and again we are at the quarterfinal stage. Um, at the time of recording I have three confirmed quarterfinals and that's Ibane Ladies against Owandala, Ballancolig against Yall and Liskool against Bantir the fourth quarterfinal yet to be confirmed but it will involve um, either Ballonhasic or Mayfield uh, taking on either Ross Carberry or Gabriel Rangers and the best thing to do is keep an eye on the Cork LGFA social media accounts and also the Cork Ladies Football website for details of all those upcoming championship games and good luck to all the teams and clubs involved that's it for another Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast remember to subscribe to the Big Red Bench on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and you can also listen online at redextra.ie don't forget to tune into the Big Red Bench with Rory O'Hagan Colm O'Sullivan and guests between 6 and 7pm on the radio every Saturday and Sunday. Follow the Big Red Bench across all our social media channels as well as visiting our official website redfm.ie The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Cork's Red FM